Welcome to When Grateful Hearts Speak, a podcast about gratitude and empowerment, demystifying the myths of yoga, while connecting our community in conversations without condemnation. Hey friends, back again. We are here with episode number 20. That's kind of a milestone. I feel pretty excited about Mm -hmm. that. And we are here with Tim Bolduck. He is our city manager of Crestview. So Robin's gonna lead the way with some questions for Tim. Um, well, thank you for taking yeah. time out and for fitting us into your schedule because I know that's not always easy for you. Well, th- thanks for having me. It's a, a very cool location. It was fun, you know, uh, finding the place. And then this is a, an amazing facility I didn't even know existed. So I'm, thank you. I'm excited about it. It's very, <laughs> very cool. Yeah. Another reason for the podcast is trying to get people to know you, that you we're know. here. Yeah, <laughs> and I learned about mail and RV mail, yeah. which yeah. is cool. Yeah. Awesome. My RV mail. My RV yeah. mail. It's kind of a, it was like a cool playoff stuff. of uh, MySpace back in the day. That's gotcha. where he, that's where that originated. I gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm from that era, so I understand. But anyways, well, yeah. Well, to start off with, we usually just have our guests just tell about yourself, tell about okay. where you uh, grew up, uh, about your family then, your family now, sure. and if you're not from Crestview, what brought you to Crestview? Okay. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, as you said, you know, my name is Tim Bolduck. I am uh, 47. So, uh, my I'm married. I've been married this year. Will be 29 years uh, to my sweetheart. Um, amazing. I, I tell everybody I outkicked my coverage, and I've been trying to, you know, <laughs> hang on to it ever since. She's amazing. Um, you know, it's been 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 great to do life with her. We have two beautiful children. Um, uh, a 25-year-old and a 21-year-old. I've got one grandbaby, which wow. is a whole different world. If I'd have known that you, you know, if, you, if there's a way to skip to the grandbaby, <laughs> I, I would do that. They are, they are fantastic. Uh, her name's Addie, and she's. Uh, well, we'll un- tell your kids you didn't say that. Yeah, no, I tell them. <laughs> you know, I tell, I tell people. Uh, I used to tell people all the time. You know, I would fight hell with a water pistol for my children. I may sling my children uh, in there to, to protect that grandbaby. So, so we'll see. But but anyhow, so we. Um, uh, I got got a couple of kids. I've been at the city of Crestview now as their city manager for five years, mm-hmm. or coming on five years. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the first city manager that they ever had. Um, and so I came to this job from Fort Walton. Uh, I was the public works director down there for a little over 10 years. And before that, I was in the, in the small business, owned a business. Um, originally born just outside of Hanscom Air Force Base in Hanscom, Massachusetts. My dad was in the military. Uh, and so he retired here, as is always the case, right? Uh, I'm the last of six kids. I have four sisters. Um, so I, got, I tell everybody I got four sisters, uh, two daughters, a wife, um, 19 girl chickens. <laughs> so I swim in estrogen pretty much 24 uh, seven, but I, I love it. Um, love my sisters. I got a brother as well. So I got four sisters and a brother. Um, most of my family uh, that's still around lives here. Uh, it must be why you do jiu-jitsu at, at Atlas. <laughs> I do, yes. Got to have some male testosterone around. I, I yeah. Took, yeah, well, yes. I started <laughs> jiu-jitsu this year, so I'm too old for that. <laughs> I, told, I told you, ladies, this is my version of yoga, except for it's a little more violent. Uh, yep. so. Well, great. Well, uh, you and I have been in Crestview then about the same amount of time. Okay. I moved here five years ago, so... Um, and I 
can kick it and screaming, and right. but have fallen in love with Kresge. So yeah. uh, I've lived here since '84, uh, something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've lived here most of my, yeah. or not Kresge, but I lived in Fort Walton mm -hmm. most of my life. I came yeah. to Kresge about five years ago. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, so we mentioned that you are the city manager, yes, and so and and there was no city manager before that. That's something that's new information that I didn't right. know. And so tell us about how that came about. How did you, sure. like, what are your qualifications to actually get a job as city manager? What are your, um, what, what's your position? Describe sure. that and maybe describe like your staff, just whatever you'd like to yeah, tell us absolutely. about that. So um, the, the interesting part about like being the first city manager is Crestview, uh, was one of the one of the very few cities left in Florida that did not have a council manager form mm -hmm. of government. It was a mayor and council form of government, which meant that the city council members uh, had direct supervision over all of the departments in the city except for police and fire, which were under the mayor. And so, um, all great people, but in you know in local government, what happens is you elect uh, lay people to a position. And then they, so, so you have people who may or may not have had any experience um, in the supervision of, we have 300 employees and, uh, you know, and, and then uh, seven different divisions, uh, which includes public safety and water and sewer and stormwater and all that. And so um, they, they just got to the point where they believed it was time to change their charter, which is like the constitution of a city. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so they had tried several times before to change the charter. And our current mayor now, uh, Mr. J.B. Witten, was the chairman of the commission of the council at the time. And he really uh, kind of spearheaded a campaign, a public information campaign to help people understand that bringing in a professional manager or a sin singular person that would be responsible for uh, the overall direction and accountability of the city was a good idea. And so uh, he was successful and, and did that. And so I have a, a bachelor's degree in public administration uh, from Troy University. Uh, I have a graduate certificate from Florida State University in local government management. Um, so, the, the, to the qualification point, mm -hmm. but I also served as a public works director in, um, in Fort Walton for a little over 10 years, the city of Fort Walton. Mm -hmm. And in that role, basically, I had the supervision over everything except for parks, police, and fire. And so I had a lot of municipal experience. And then before that was, uh, again, like I said, a small business mm -hmm. owner. And so, um, how I ended up here, you know, I was, I enjoyed the, my, my job in Fort Walton. I had worked there, got things situated, I had great staff, um, and had no intention of leaving. Um, but when this opportunity came up, my wife and I thought about it, you know, we prayed about it and talked about it and just uh, thought that it was a, a, a unique chance to be the first person in mm -hmm. and I saw so much potential mm -hmm. that I felt like was being unrealized here. I also saw lots of potential when I moved here. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, it, it is a, uh, a, I think it's a unique, um, it special is. place. Yeah, it is. There's so much, um, you know, and, and plus the, even just from Fort Walton to here, uh, the, the culture is a little different. Mm -hmm. I, I love it up here. Uh, you know, you said you came kicking and screaming. I, I actually, um, and not just because I'm the, I'm the manager up here, but I just love it. I, I like the fact that we're now getting to the place where we've got places to shop and eat and yeah. all that. But also, mm -hmm. you know, if you're in Walmart or I had lunch at, at the uh, Wild Olive today and, you know, I saw 15 people that I knew. Mm -hmm. So um, 
you get a, to me, Crestview provides a little bit of the best of both worlds. We still mm -hmm. have a lot of green space. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, we can go up the street and hunt if we want or and fish and do all those kind of things. And then you, you've got a little bit of a town feel. So. Yeah, it really does. And so, so I just wanted to clarify. So sure. This is an, an appointed position, it not is. a elected. A, yes, ma'am. So okay. right. So what happened is the the. In order to change the constitution or the charter is mm -hmm. what it's actually called, but it's basically it's a constitution for a go local government. In order to change that, the people had to vote on it. Once they voted on it, their elected officials then would hire a, which is basically a CEO of the the organization. Mm -hmm. And so you think, you know, to, to look at it this way. So when I came in, the budget was somewhere around 33 million a year. And so you had a $33 million corporation with no one at the helm, yeah, wow. no singular yeah. person at the helm. It would be yeah. like having a board of directors, um, elected board of directors mm -hmm. that were then running an organization of that size. And so um, they went through a, an exhaustive selection process, which I participated in. It was loads of fun, went on for <laughs> months and months. And then uh, I was blessed enough to be selected on a three to two vote. Uh, I tell everybody all the time, I came in on three to two, I can leave on three to two. <laughs> but uh, we won't talk about who didn't vote for me, but it, it has been a blast. Um, it's, it, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. I want to know, going back to like sure. when you were in college, you know, for the public administration, is that just something that you graduated high school and knew you were going to be a part of a city or, no, or something? Actually, um, fun, fun story. Uh, so I went into the private sector immediately out of high school. Uh, I did not get any sort of, um, you know, college education coming out uh, and went into business for myself, did that for some time. And when I moved over to the, the governmental side um, back around 2008 is, is uh, I was trucking along in the inspections department. I came from construction, so I worked in inspections in, in local government. But I, I very quickly gained a passion for the ability to uh, affect change in your own space, where you live. So, uh, I, and, a, and a chance to maybe put my fingerprint on who we became as, as a community. And that was even when I was in Fort Walton. And so, but to do that, I knew that I would have to go back to school. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's what we did. So I went to college late in life. And so when I went, it's funny that you asked, how did I end up public administration? Um, if I'm gonna be completely honest, uh, I, I looked at the, the courses and tried to figure out, okay, I knew I would have to have a college degree in order to advance. What could I use in, in, in the pursuit of my new, um, you know, the new, new job I was wanting to seek, but also which one did I think I could do at 30 years old with two kids at home, working two jobs mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and, and trying to manage all of those things. And, and so public administration was a lot about, it's a lot about, uh, the analysis of law and how government works and I was already passionate about it and so it, it was natural for me it was a lot of writing and things like that and so I just that's how I selected that and my minor is in business um, so that, that also helps um, and I, what businesses did you own you mentioned being a small business owner sure so I've had I had a condo cleaning company where we flipped condos um, that's how I paid for college my wife and I did that um, probably the most lucrative business that I've ever had uh, it just doesn't go away. It's like, very low overhead. Yeah, right. um, very cool business model. I felt mm -hmm. like what we did is uh, we picked up, we worked with a company called um, oh, uh, 360 Blue, um, and, and they worked all of the 
seaside area, you know, mm -hmm. Sandestin, all of that. And so we would we pick, we had about 20 units that we would work there. And so what we would do is we would engage couples that uh, not unlike ourselves, were looking for a secondary income that you could do together on a Saturday so you could spend time mm -hmm. together. And so for us, we, we paid them well, um, and it was more of a volume then and so instead of trying to get the the cheapest labor we could possibly get we we really sought out what we thought was a more stable stable labor pool quality. Mm -hmm. and went for quality mm -hmm. and then paid them well and did volume in order to pick up the the mm -hmm. revenue and it ended up being very profitable um the reason i we we stopped doing that was because uh I had uh, I had graduated college, was moving up in the local government arena, and I wanted to do well there. And so splitting my time was just too much. Mm -hmm. uh, plus, you know, I teach uh, uh, quite a bit. There's a lot of different leadership classes that I teach, and one of the things um, is uh, I teach on work-life balance. And so in work-life balance, the way that I teach it is that it's not as much about the actual quantity of the time; it's the quality of the time. And so uh, the example I typically use is if you've got kids at home and you're doing school and working a couple of jobs and doing all that and your kids are engaged in all these different sports activities, they have to be a part of the decision for what you choose to spend your time with them. Sometimes we as parents like to say, you know, well, I went to this event or I, or I sat and watched a movie with you or did all that, and we don't let them participate in it. So what we would do is we would sit down with our children. My oldest was in dance and soccer, and I'd say, this is what's going on and what's most important to you. Um, and for thank God it was soccer. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got to go, so I made sure I made every soccer. Well, I do the same thing you know, with, with my spouse and with my other child. And so what happened is I wanted to be able to do well uh, in, in the local government arena, and I was having an opportunity to be a part of their, the construction of their sports uh, they're in Fort Walton's new sports complex and and uh, the bridge and, and there's a lot of big projects and I just wanted to be able to dedicate the time. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, I owned a construction company, a roofing company, um, and did that through uh, from when I was young all the way to about 2008 when the market um, crashed and so that was that was a difficult time for everybody in that industry. Yeah. Um, and so so those were the two. Primarily, the two things that mm -hmm. I've done, we've messed around with a couple of other small businesses, but that's been the yeah. Well, that's great. Well, that sounds like a very diverse background to bring in. It's to a long a answer to a short question. <laughs> and to, to bring in to <clears throat> managing a city, I would think having all these different experiences helps you yeah. to have not only some practical experience, but also some compassion for people who have the businesses themselves right. so. or, or really, our parents with young children yeah yeah, yeah for sure. just just um yeah i really believe that um you know understanding people and investing in people the people that work for you and then and you know obviously the community as well but but really that's the key to it so while i appreciate the things the technical things that i learned in college and in the graduate study and all of those things mm -hmm. um Really, it's about getting the right people in place and then trusting them, training them, and empowering them. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's whether it's construction, whether it's yoga, whether it's whatever it is, it's really, everything is about people. Mm -hmm. I teach my staff at the city that we will always be technically sound, but we will put people first. Mm -hmm. And they understand that, and so that's the way the supervision, the management team uh, makes decisions at the city. 
Well, I wanted to um, want you to elaborate a little bit more about sure. your staff, but also um, about what exactly your duties are. Like, sure. does it involve like bringing businesses or you know helping the businesses? Does it help? What about the roads, beautification, community activities? What what is is that all under the umbrella sure. of city manager? Or um, what do you not do? More? Maybe that's a small yeah, answer. Yeah, that well, uh, it's a, it's a great question because the uh -huh. reality, the function of my job, is to manage the uh, and oversee the operations of the city. Mm -hmm. So uh, as like the CEO. My primary job is to ensure that you have, ensure that, I, that the teams that we've put together can produce for you water, um, treat the sewer you send back to us, make sure the roads are safe, make sure that, that we have the appropriate level of policing, make sure we have recreation programs, make sure that we can put fires out if they start. That is the function, that you know, on the job mm -hmm. description, that, is, that okay. is the job description. My approach to it, um, does get into the economic development side of it. I do spend a lot of my time, I have a great team. Um, so, so we have, the departments are police, fire, public works, uh, which handles water and sewer, stormwater, streets. Then I have a parks and recreation. I have an administrative services, which handles all of our personnel issues, or not issues, but all of our personnel development and, mm -hmm. and then issues. And then a finance team. And then I have a, a very small division that is uh, what we call operation, the director of operations, which handles big projects. They're fantastic. Uh, they all do their jobs very, very well. We've been able to compile a team um, that I believe buys into our vision, our mission. Um, and, and so that allows me to go out and pursue uh, what I think is potential development mm -hmm. or, or businesses. Mm -hmm. So the, the council, makes decisions at what we would refer to a 100,000 foot or a 50,000 foot level maybe. And they say, we want you to grow the city and we want you to fix traffic or big big picture. And then I go and figure out, okay, what pieces of that do I take on and how do I do that and how do I partner mm -hmm. with the community to do it? And so I've been very active. When I first came on, they wanted me to clean up the blighted areas, clean up the drugs and the crime and bring shopping and restaurants mm -hmm. to town. And so uh, we've uh, demoed somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 homes uh, in, inside the area. We've entered into public-private partnerships for affordable housing. We've enhanced our code enforcement. And then we've done things like make Crestview Commons a reality, mm -hmm. bring those shops here. And so not every city manager does that. Okay. It just depends on, on the priority of the council. For me, that's what makes this job great i would have to i would ha that have to be a part of what i do mm -hmm. for me to enjoy it mm -hmm. and so uh, how i do that is i meet with I, I i get a good understanding of properties property owners what's available and then work together with different development companies and and even stores directly sometimes mm -hmm. um, and so then i try to when we can bring them to town to meet with them my job is to help them see why Crestview is the place to be. Mm -hmm. And so it's a lot of what I do is a sales pitch of why we are so great. Yeah. And then I have to back it. Yeah. And so that's 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 what we're doing. And, and then and I work. the cogs move very slowly, don't they? They do. <laughs> yes, ma'am, they do. A big part of it, too, here is the, is the Air Force Base mm -hmm. and ensuring uh, that we work very closely with all of the different missions we provide 
especially because Crestview provides a majority of the housing for, for mm -hmm. our, our military bases. Mm -hmm. And understanding what their mission is and what are their needs right now, it's, it's affordable housing and it's daycare mm -hmm. and it's traffic. And so making sure that's a big piece of, yeah. of what we do as well. So I work with all of the base commanders and, and then in Tallahassee, I lobby for us. Uh, we brought, um, since I've been here, we brought a little over $4 million in state appropriation funds to the city for different projects. Um, so stuff like this. A little bit of <clears throat> I'm from this area, and sure. I grew up in uh, Baker, Scambia <clears throat> Farms. Okay. Just now have moved into Crestview last November, a year ago. So it's it's interesting to grow up kind of on the outskirts. But like you said, be in the woods, but be an hour from the beach Love and it. be able to do all the things in between. But now living in town and getting to see the changes, it seems like very rapidly over the last mm -hmm. few years. I'm mm -hmm. sure you had a big hand in that. Um, but... I can't remember what year they came in, but the air the the military influx really started with the seventh group, right? Right. Yeah. When they did what was called the BRAC or the base realignment, and they mm -hmm. moved them here from the, from the Midwest. Um, yes, uh, and so we and we're going to see that again. Uh, not not necessarily a base realignment, but we're seeing a growth in the mission on Eglin Air Force Base, and so um, a significant uh, amount of jobs that we believe are on their way to Eglin specifically to address the, what we refer to as the pacing threat. Mm -hmm. uh, and so how we do war has changed over the years, obviously, since you know, World War II until just recently, you know, the U.S. really kind of led the way and was, was the premier world power. Well, as technology has evolved, it has made it easier for um, outlying countries to, to really kind of chip into the, the, the gap between us and other countries and in, in our ability to um, you know, protect our interest. And so the types of advances that we need to make in the military are very well suited to Eglin Air Force Base and the 96 test wing and the things that we do there that are done there. And so uh, you can look to seeing uh, several thousand more uh, potential wow. jobs coming wow. this way as a result of that. And so it's, uh, you'll see some more of that as we continue mm -hmm. to move forward. Which is a big job for you to make yeah. sure these roads are, are ready. Not, and, and housing <laughs> and is housing. a big part of it. And, yeah. you know, we want to protect our identity, mm -hmm. too. You know, what we love about this place, I don't want to lose right. in growth. And, and so since I've been here, and this is not a result of me, but since I've been here, our population was 24,000 when I got here. Almost, It'll be five years in February. Our population inside the city limits right now is about 28,000. Mm -hmm. And so if you look at that rate of growth over that short of a period of time, it, it may not sound like a lot, but it is a lot. Yeah. When we you think about a car, you equate that with a, a car, it, it, at least one yes, car and exactly. usually two cars per exactly. household. And you take take that in consideration. That's a mm -hmm. lot. That's a, that's a big deal. And we have... Somewhere between, it depends, you know, d different stages of the development review process, but we have between 4,000 and 6,000 residential units that are in the development stage to be constructed in our area. Mm -hmm. And so if you if going back, 4,000 in growth of population, and I've got another 6,000 units, which comes with 2.1 people per mm -hmm. home, mm -hmm. very quickly we begin to, um, you know, take over from a population perspective. We are now the largest incorporated city. Uh, we don't have the largest population because in Fort Walton there's unincorporated areas that, that, are, that surround yeah. them, right? Mm -hmm. Which confuses people sometimes mm -hmm. when they can't figure out why I can't bring Target 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> to, yeah. to, to the city of Crestview, but we will see significant growth. Wait, why can't we bring in Target? <laughs> uh, it, do you really want an answer? Yeah. Like, an answer. yeah. So the reason uh, that Target is a challenge right now um, is because Target, every real, every every retail business has a formula that they use, and it and it has to do with the number of rooftops that you have and the number of disposable income and the amount of disposable mm-hmm. income you have, and and certain businesses look very specifically at what the average income rate is. Mm-hmm. And so in Crestview, we have you know, very nice parts of town. We have, uh, or um, affluent parts of town is, is what I'm trying to say. And then we have um, some, some areas that are very poor. And so when you look at from a population distribution what our income is, it's getting much better. We're, we, you know, we've, we've kind of turned a corner on employment and some other things uh, over the last few years. But that I have, to, we have to move that needle, mm-hmm. and so this is, and I don't want to overcomplicate the answer, but this gets into how we plan the types of residential developments and things that we build. If we build, if everything that we build is affordable housing, just just mm-hmm. affordable housing, mm-hmm. or if everything that we build is you you know that a middle range, mm-hmm. then that brings a certain um, you know a certain income level that then dictates what we can pursue for businesses. And so Target in particular is looking for a, a, a specific income bracket mm-hmm. uh, with a specific amount of disposable income. Yeah. And so it's the gap between what their mortgage rates are and all of mm-hmm. that. And we track, every bit of that is tracked um, right now. You know, how much homes cost, what people spend, where they spend their money. Um, and, and so we use those things to help us pursue like Marshalls and, and, mm-hmm. and what ended up in the Commons. Crestview Commons will be a, a very unique, is a, is a unique opportunity for us that will be a great catalyst for Crestview mm-hmm. that uh, without COVID and all the horrible things that are associated with COVID, but if that had not happened, this would be different. We were able to bring um, those, that, that lineup of stores is not typical in a small population like we have, comparatively speaking. Mm-hmm. You have several anchor tenants. Burlington is an anchor tenant. Marshall is an anchor tenant. Um, Aldi's is an anchor tenant. Um, <clears throat> and so you've got, um, and then, uh, you know, we've got, what is it, five below? Mm-hmm. One of them is escaping me and I can't think why. Alta. Oh, Alta. 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 Don't forget Alta. <laughs> so important. Alta is also an anchor tenant. <laughs> and so what, how we were able to land those is when COVID hit and the country shut down, the, the developers actually out of New York. And so we communi- I communicated directly with them and ensured, and assured them that we would be open. We would provide the inspection services. We would ensure that they could continue to move their project forward if they would you know if they would trust us we mm-hmm. would be there for them and they bought in and so they took several of those tenants from other areas where their projects were frozen because they could not move mm-hmm. forward in other states mm-hmm. and, and or in other areas mm-hmm. and were able to convince them to come here to Crestview. What it's done for us is several of those stores have uh, um, put up record numbers in their opening and so now... Well, you're welcome. <laughs> listen, I'm also contributing. Uh, in fact, on the way here, I received a text message from my wife telling me about the very cool uh, things that are at Aldi's this week. So apparently we'll be going there. But, um, 
but they're looking again. So that same development company is we're right. we're looking at. We have uh, so COVID turned into a blessing for yeah. us in particular. Very interesting, um, and I don't want to monopolize the conversation, uh, but uh, an it's your show. It, yeah, this, <laughs> this is all about you. No, 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 no. But it, it's it's opportunity, right? Um, something that a, a, a mentor of mine said, Quint Studer um, did, is the owner of the baseball team over in Pensacola and owns, a, he was worked in hospital work for a long time. I don't know if anybody knows him, but I mean, a lot of people know him, but um, one of the things Quint said about Crestview, um, when I brought him over here to speak to my leadership team, because COVID hit shortly after I got here. But one of the things that he said that really resonated with me was that Crestview was uniquely positioned to take advantage of the horrible things that, that COVID was going to be. So there was one of two ways we could do that. We, because we were on the upswing of development, we could embrace the opportunity to pursue development and, and take care of them and bring them on. And the machine, of the local government machine was not too big to do that, that we were going to be better positioned than some of our surrounding jurisdictions to capitalize on that. And so um, when he said that, I believed him, and we really went after that. And, and so we, we made an effort to continually um, reinforce to the people that we're trying to build here that, hey, we are going to be here for you and we're going to stay open and this place is going to support mm-hmm. you. And so we did that. Um, you know, I, I lost some friends in COVID, so it was, it was horrible. But from an economic development um, state, we were able to, uh, Crestview's been able to capitalize. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. That That's it's a, a good, it, it, it was a horrible thing, it sure. still is a horrible thing, but just to hear that is, is encouraging. There was an upside. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. I wanted us, to say know, one so. more thing about, sure. you know, the whole Target thing. Oh. I, I wish I wish that it, we could look at it as all of the little surrounding communities exactly that shop in Crestview. Like South Alabama. And Laura Hill, just, we, Baker, and, everywhere. And, and a lot of, you know, and within city limits, and then there's a lot of yeah. county. Oh, rural rural uh, areas, yeah. yeah. We do. We, I, oh, I, I, we absolutely do that. Okay. And, and again, just, just so everybody understands, so everybody understands, <laughs> I do not pick and choose who we pursue. Right, exactly. What we do is, my role in that equation is that people will, you know, float the idea, for lack of a better term, by me of, about a particular type of store or, mm-hmm. or development or project. And then we work to try to create confidence in the developer, the property owner, the financier, and the franchisee. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how we put those pieces together. What I will say about Target um, and it is this, with Ulta being as successful as Ulta has been, that's a bracket that's very similar to mm-hmm. to um, Target. And, and so they're closely tied to the fact that that's right. Ulta's are in Target. That's right. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And so, so what we what again? Sometimes I tell people this all the time. It's a lot better to be lucky than good. The circumstances that led to us being able to to the developer being able to bring that particular lineup and our ability to convince them that they would be successful has now opened the door for a great. We have a, a much. We're in a much better position to recruit Target than we were before. Yeah. And and then the more you know the unfortunate part about. Technology is is that everybody knows what's going on all the time. The fortunate part about that is the same, in that we are able to capitalize on the you know buying patterns and all of those kind of things as I continue to present our case to places like mm-hmm. that. And so, 
they when I first got here it was really never in the discussion we are talking about it now mm -hmm. and so I think you know at some point in the next you know, seven to ten years we'll probably see one if they continue to build brick and mortar stores well as much as I want to see one way sooner than that I um I also understand. the income cap and and having to have it raised and a lot of people that I talk with, if they just move here, they're like, oh, I moved to Crestview because it was affordable. Right. And what are you doing, and this may be on your list of questions, but what are we doing as a city, as a community, to help with the homeless in our area? Well, and I wanted just to add, because my next thing, just to piggyback on sure. that, so that you can maybe cover it all, because I'm sure it's going to overlap, is when you were talking about the, you know, the lower income versus the upper income, I can't remember exactly how you worded it, mm -hmm. but... I guess in my mind I was seeing like instead of us attracting more people in that middle to upper class um, income mm -hmm. is how do we bring the, the lower, lower income. income up to the middle income. Sure. Which I'm sure you do in your, right. your talks and helping people. Yes, but. exactly. Um, and there, so there's a lot of questions in that. So, <laughs> yes. so let's dissect them and we'll start with homelessness. Okay. Um, okay. So there, there is an absolute difference between you know someone who is homeless um, someone who is um, what we refer to in the United Way as an Alice uh, uh, individual which is basically um, someone who is gainfully employed but one check away from mm -hmm. um, you know being on the street mm -hmm. if they were to miss a paycheck and then the and then vagrancy and so people often confuse those quite mm -hmm. a bit um, Crestview is because of the affordability uh, um, is a great place for us to house those those individuals that are um, one paycheck away um, but then also create additional opportunities for them to improve their financial situation um, we have a lot of very good programs that address homelessness so when someone finds themselves being homeless and they choose and, they, and it is not their desire to live that lifestyle we have a lot of programs that do that when we get into the, the category of vagrancy, which is which is when someone chooses to live that lifestyle, it's it is much more difficult for us from a municipal perspective to encourage anything that surrounds that because it makes the other two categories much more difficult. It's a, it is a drain on the limited amount of resources that we have to help those that we can help to get them out of the situation they're in. Mm -hmm. And additionally, it also, um, creates uh, um, issues with property values and, 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 and those types of things. And so where we work there is to try to figure out at the core, what is the, what is the issue that has put someone in a position where they're choosing to live that type of a lifestyle? And a lot of times it has to do with mental illness, drug addiction, um, you know, um, those types of things. A lot of times it's a, a life circumstance that has put them in that place. I used to volunteer at, a, at a, a place called Project Hope, which is a, a faith-based mm -hmm. men's recovery center. And I can remember um, when, I, when I took that, or when I started to volunteer there, I had a very specific opinion of what vagrancy was. But once I got to know a lot of those men and understand how they found themselves in that situation, most of the time it was um, you know, a, a young athlete that got hurt and ended up taking pain medication ends up in addiction in some, mm -hmm. in some form or it's uh, somebody lost a family member uh, you know drunk driver kills a, kills a wife and then mm -hmm. the next thing you know and so for that group that is in that is in the vagrancy category we have a lot of 
programs that we try to provide that help them to identify what that need is, get them to the right help that to, to help them get in the right mental state so that they can begin to rebuild their lives. We're working on a public-private development right now for a project called Vineyard Village, which is very specifically an affordable housing project. Um, and, and so we, what happened when I got here is there was a, a, an alleyway uh, that was um, one of the most dangerous places to live in the area, uh, a very high level of crime, everything from uh, murders to stabbings to rapes to uh, prostitution, a ton of stuff was going on on that property. And so w we were faced with addressing that, the, those problems that were there. And, and what I try to teach my staff is that there are two ways we can look at things. We can address, I, I call it a source versus symptom approach to things. We can go after the symptoms of the problem, which means I can arrest all the drug dealers, the prostitutes, and all of those, those um, law violators. And then they will replace, be replaced immediately by somebody else having that same activity. That's a source, I mean, a symptom-based approach. We need to determine what is the source of the problem. Why do people who are willingly choosing to break the law, why do they feel it's okay to do it in Crestview and at this particular location? And so it had to do with the city's um, uh, acceptance of a less than standard level of housing. And so you had people living in very, very um, under-maintained properties with no, no front doors, sometimes holes in the floors, no running water, all of that stuff. And so through a combination of code enforcement, um, which is to make property owners get their properties mm -hmm. into maintenance, acquisition. So we, we actually, uh, actually convinced the city council to purchase that entire alleyway, take those buildings down. When we did that, there were, uh, I wanna say six or seven individual little Hubble type houses that were there that were occupied. Um, we relocated those people using the assistance of the Homelessness Housing Alliance. Uh, and, and in doing that, we learned, I learned something I didn't know, and that was that when someone has a felony or they live together and they're not married or, or there are some circumstances um, in, in their um, ability to obtain work and stuff like that, that HUD-backed housing like the Housing Authority was not an option for them. And so we had several people that we would have had to separate families or, or to, in order to put them in a place. And so we decided, and the council backed it, that at that point, that once we tore those buildings down, we were gonna create a place where that gap space of housing, where they can't live in housing, you know, um, housing, HUD-based housing because of the rules, and they can't afford to do market rate we're gonna develop something in the middle. And so we partnered with Greg Chapel out of Fort Walton to build the Vineyard Village project, which will be affordable rate housing, but the, the guidelines for it are different. And so when you ask the question of what are we doing to, to mm -hmm. bridge that gap, we're trying to take properties that were under-maintained. I tell people all the time, allowed behavior becomes learned behavior. And so people were purchasing these pieces of property in the middle of Crestview, very, very cheap, and then they wouldn't maintain them. Mm -hmm. And so then when they fell into disrepair, then it made it an environment where people were comfortable to come there and do nefarious things. Now we're requiring property owners to maintain their property. If you, if you own multiple pieces of property and they're rentals, that is a business. You need to provide a safe place for those people to live. And if people choose not to do that, they're choosing to get out of that business. And so we've been able to acquire properties that way. And then uh, about half the time and the other half of the time, they either sell it or fix it up. And so you're, we're seeing this great transition 
to not move the, the, the people who couldn't afford to live anywhere else out of the area, but to raise that level of standard. Mm -hmm. And what I tell my staff is we're going to ensure that we take that bar, that, that minimum level of housing, and we lift it to a place where we can be um, comfortable to know that the people that we're responsible to protect are um, living in a place where it's safe. And so that's our attempt to, to address that, and it's in a multi multifaceted. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the other part of the question. Well, just that it, it kind of covers that because I was just asking, how do you bring those people who oh. are in the lower income or the no income up to sure. income and middle class? So we do that uh, we we by partnering with places like United Way um, and the Homeless and Housing Alliance, mm -hmm. which have financial education programs and things like that to help people that are, are in a situation where they're one paycheck from, from being on the street to not be there? How do we, how do we make better financial decisions? Um, and, and, and then also, how do we get people trained to get, the, get jobs that will, um, uh, get, get jobs that will allow them to have a, a little bit higher standard of housing? But also, if we raise, when we raise, when the, when the, the, back, the gov local government should only be the backstop that says you can't be below this minimum. Mm -hmm. And so we were allowing a minimum standard of housing that was below what anybody should be living in mm -hmm. in the United States mm -hmm. of America. Um, and so once we said you can't, you can't go below this point, those people still have to be able to afford it. So mm -hmm. those rent rates are staying in that same range. And then when they're not, we're figuring out ways to reduce the economy of scale. So those properties where owners from California have just walked away from their properties because they weren't maintaining them and we put the put some pressure on them. Mm -hmm. I'm taking those properties and we just gave we just sold six of those properties to Habitat for Humanity for six thousand dollars a piece. So they're gonna build six homes um, and they're gonna separate. put six of those families into a, into that building. And then we took that money and that's what we used to clean up the next piece of property. Uh, and so Habitat is one partnership. Greg Chapel and Vineyard Village is another. Vineyard Village is another partnership. Right now, uh, in fact, uh, yesterday we worked with some representatives from the Housing Authority to build some partnerships with them to do the same thing. Uh, and so, while we're working on making sure through zoning and and other things that we create um, a, a place where you have to have larger parcels, so then the houses are going to be a little bit bigger, and you're going to draw a certain clientele. We're also protecting um, those areas where it makes sense to have greater density and ensuring that we can take the housing authority properties, which right now are duplexes. Our goal is to help them figure out how to turn the you know 20 duplexes into apartments, so that we can bring in um, you know an affordable housing mm -hmm. uh, opportunity. We also have, I believe, it's four apartments being constructed in the everywhere city you right look. Now. Yeah. <laughs> There's another one popping is up. Is there a sure. I mean, these companies that build the apartment complexes, yes, um, is there any kind of regulations on the amount they can charge for rent or how? how it depends on the, uh, it depends on the funding source. So um, what you're talking about is rent controls. Mm -hmm. In Crestview, we won't do rent controls. What, what I do, uh, I tell the council, carrots, not sticks. And so what we do uh, by that, I mean that we're going to create incentives for people to make good decisions that we want them to make instead of beating them into good decisions. Okay. That's okay. what I mean by carrots, not sticks, right? Mm -hmm. And so all of these properties that we've acquired, the city has acquired, when we flip those back into the private market, then I can 
restrict what they charge for the rent. Mm -hmm. So Vineyard Village has to be at the uh, HUD housing levels or, or lower in their rent rates. So we're talking about rentals that are going to be in the five and six hundred dollar range, which mm -hmm. is unheard of oh, right yeah. now. Are you able to share where that's located? Um, yeah, it's it's actually in on Bowers is where it's going to be constructed, uh, and it's just off of Wilson Street down in in the in the middle of Crestview. Okay. Um, but we've acqu I've acquired a couple of other pieces directly adjacent to it, and there's some other um, things that we're going to do around that area as well. But to get to the to those apartment complexes, so it's a it's a complicated answer. So I won't chase it for very long. But there are different tax deed um, tax break deals that we can do tax financing uh, tax credit financing. Good Lord, I'm, I'm, that's what I was trying to remember. <laughs> There's some different tax credit financing deals that we can do that would come with stipulations for the end user to meet the what's called the LMI or the low to moderate income. Um, rent rates the buildings that are being constructed right now so the waters on Redstone and then now we're building the water they're building the waters down by Lowe's uh, which is called some waters at Mirage or mm -hmm. something those two apartment complexes do not they're not income based um, I believe that we will see I'm confident that we will see some in the next year or so as some of these other properties open up mm -hmm. and we begin to build relationships with the housing authority in Fort Walton I was able to work with a, a pro on a project called Soundside where we did exactly that. We the city invested some money into the infrastructure work to bring the the bond the cost of the construction down, which then made it so that what they paid what they had to charge for rents were less because the the debt service was less. And that's that's the that's our path into that. Um, you'll see some of that happen over the next couple of years, uh, especially there's a, a, a new some new legislation that the governor signed um, that is very specifically targeted at affordable housing and I can live local act is what it's called okay. the live local act and so there's going to be some some incentives for developers to do that uh, That's great. the last thing I'll speak to that if, if yeah, one other thing it. we're doing mm -hmm. uh, one other option is the the way that the the, the BAH works for the military is they give a, a, an amount mm -hmm. for, for these troops that have to, airmen that are living off base. We are working with the base right now to do some direct um, association between developments that get constructed so that the base funnels the money directly into the rental property offsite in order to not have the airmen get that money and then get charged more. So, okay, so okay. it drives, mm -hmm. our, what happens is they get a, a dollar amount. Mm -hmm which means they get their regular paycheck and then they get their housing allowance. Well, everybody working in the private sector doesn't get the housing allowance right. piece. And so what does happen sometimes is when they go to look for a rental property, uh, an airman does, they have that housing allowance and then they go ahead and tap some of their regular income as mm -hmm. well to pay more for that. Well, it drives the rates. Yeah. And so what we are doing is we're working with the base and with developers to say, listen, if we can pass that number directly through, it takes that falsely inflated mm -hmm. rent rate out of the competition in the market. And why, how we can entice developers to do that is we give them a little bit more density. Mm -hmm. So in other words, we'll let you get, if, if, you're, if your property, if your project is military focused and, and we can put some controls over mm -hmm. how that works through what's called a development agreement, then you can build, if you could only build 90, now you can build 100. Mm -hmm. And that allows you to make up the difference in volume yes. instead of over individual. That's that, was my, that was um, um, a big 
part of why I asked that question. I have a son who's looking for housing it, now. It's so tough. And um, has been for a while. In fact, my husband and I were looking for things, maybe a duplex or something to buy right. so that we could have like a little income and he could have an affordable place to live. And that has not panned out well either. And right. so that was really the motivation behind that question um, because I have noticed with just, you know, kind of grapevine thing, but just sure. some of my research on why are the apartment rates so high, you know. That's the answer you know, to that question. So that, you know, that, that's what I had kind of assumed. But we are feeling um, now, and, and so people are unhappy with, with us, the city, because they think we either pursued these or allowed them or whatever they're upset yeah. about. Mm -hmm. But what, what I hope people understand is that it's just, you know, the great thing about America is it's supply and demand. Yeah, exactly. You know, the difficult yeah. part is it's yeah. supply and demand. And so when there's not enough supply, mm -hmm. the cost goes up. Or, the, you know, when the demand is high, the cost can go yeah. up. Mm -hmm. With multiple apartment complexes being built, it's going to levelize Level it out. because they're yeah. going to have mm -hmm. to rent those units Yeah, out. they're going to have to be competitive. And that's, yeah. what, that's what our country is all about. Yes, ma'am. So. Yes, I wanted to um, get you, if you can remember this, you oh, said Lord. something about allowed behavior becomes learned behavior. Is yes, that? I just love that yes, uh, phrase. My dad, my dad taught me that. Okay, well, I think that is just, I think, I think our expectations sometimes can be um, detrimental, but, they, it, but, but, but if you can reframe it a little bit, it can be, it can be what lifts people up. Yes, ma'am. You know? And yes, uh, I, I think that statement really stood out to me as if we, if we help individuals believe they can do it and rise right. up and help their living circumstances, their quality of life is going to be better. It's going to make your neighbor's quality of life better. It's going to make the community's quality of life better. And Absolutely. Instead of com and another thing, instead of complaining about what's going on, maybe have a trigger in your mind then if I'm thinking about complaining about what's right. going on to what can I do to make a positive difference in our community. And it sounds like there's a lot of good things um, and that was at the beginning of this, the question about, you know, education and how did I end up staying in government and all of that. It really came down to, I, I believe that there were some things that we could do better than we were doing. And so you can either talk about them or you can go try to make change happen. And so that that was the decision. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully we do a good job. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. But, but that was the motivation. And, and speaking of education, this is also back to... Um, you briefly mentioned something about like it, it you know we also know what we know and yes, so if you if you were not taught at home how to manage money right then you don't know that That's and right. uh and it's it, it's a i mean we see it as a cyclical um generational yes, issue so what you mentioned something about education, educating people, yep. and I know that there's a or there's a group in Fort Walton Beach, Fresh Start. I don't know if you're familiar yes. with them. Yes. Um, I had worked with them when I lived down that yep. way I, years I, I, ago. I and uh, but I like the fact that they do. Like if you live on in the property, you have to ha right. take these classes to be educated. Like well, you know, in parenting or. You know, but but especially in the money management, that's I think that is the key to getting that cyclical um, 
terrible uh, cyclical issue to be stopped. Yes, ma'am. Yes, so. ma'am. We, um, uh, I, I love their their system. Yeah. In fact, I went and recruited them to try to build one on the property where we're building uh-huh. Vineyard Village. Initially, mm-hmm. that was my first run. And what I liked about that is it's transitional. And so you mm-hmm. move into one side of that is, is you know, I can't remember if it's six months or, but there's a time period yeah. that you move there. And then if you are taking the classes, the financial mm-hmm. education and all of this stuff, then you can move across the street and it's 18 months for you to get on your feet mm-hmm. and the reduced rent rates and then you get a job and you do all this. And then you move into the regular market mm-hmm. from there. Um, we love that. I, it, it's my desire to duplicate that type of a program mm-hmm. up here. Um, I actually, I also sit on the board of, of directors for um, Hope City Church here in Crestview, which we just started. And we're, we're building, uh, we're going to build a building and we're doing it off of Dugan, uh, which is in one of our poorer areas of town. And, and the reason that we're doing it there is, um, uh, and I love, my faith is important to me. I love churches. So whenever somebody listens to this, they take this in the, in the spirit it's intended. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but church facilities, a lot of times are used one day or two days a week. Mm-hmm. And so you have this very large facility that's mm-hmm. u- underutilized the majority of the time. And so our goal, and the reason we're building it where we're building it is because it'll be in walking distance to people that we believe need the resources. And our intention is to provide financial education classes. We've got a commitment from the Eglin Federal Credit Union to come provide those classes. Um, and then to do you know parenting classes, daycare type uh, um, stuff so that we can be inside of a, a community that we think needs uh, uh, someone to care, someone to help them um, not necessarily just give things to people, but to give them tools to obtain the things they need themselves. And, mm-hmm. and so it's about, I, you'll hear me say source versus symptom. My poor, the poor people who work for me, they, they hear that all the time. <laughs> A lot of these catchphrases you've heard today, that's because that's, I, I try to repeat them to them, but that is it. We can give people uh, you know, maybe a hand, but if we teach them how to work or we teach them how to manage their own Kind of like the old saying, you know, teach a man to fish. Yes, ma'am. And, yeah. And there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. yeah. And so, so we're doing that. That's that's on a different side, mm-hmm. but that's something that we're involved in or I'm involved in as well. Um, I, I would love, I would welcome um, an organization and we would work to try to provide the land and everything to do a facility like Fresh Start mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it would be fantastic. You know, they are less than interested in spreading themselves any thinner than they are right Just, now. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but Just we're, to we're ask a question about, about sure. that, so does, does, you said Hope City Church? Hope City Community Does it already Church. have a uh, location currently? So right now it meets, in, we meet in Shoal River Middle School. Okay. Um, we have, we've acquired 14 acres and are in the design phase right now, so we expect to be in construction after the first of the year. And it's on Dugan, so it's really close to the homeless shelter. That's where it is. It's at the end of Dugan, yes ma'am. Okay. Yeah, yeah. In, intentionally. Um, that was our, uh, we, we started it a little over a year ago. I guess it's been almost two years now, but a year and a half ago. And it was a bunch of us who just decided that we wanted our, and I, this is not what this topic is about, but we, we decided that if we wanted, if we were going to be a part of a church, we were going to be a part of a church that was in and of the community doing what we felt like was the actual mission. And so instead of, you know, that's why we chose to build it there. That yeah. you say it's not what it's about, but we want to get to know you, so sure. it is what it's about <laughs> okay. because you're a part of that. So yeah, that's so. a wonderful thing. I've I've actually heard of a, another friend of mine. Um, my daughter has special needs, and I'm in a Facebook oh, wow. group yeah. that's in a you know people all around the world. But um, a fellow parent 
just opened a place that is similar, but it's going to have like therapy offices and stuff inside. So, so yeah. my, one of my sisters does occupational therapy for, um, you know, uh, individuals with like autism and things like that. And so um, that's something I'm a little bit passionate about too. I'd love to, I, I was actually talking with Commissioner Mixon the other day, uh, Monday night, and we were talking about the need for um, a special needs housing opportunity as well. Oh, so Bridgeway does that down in Fort Walton, mm-hmm. and they do. Uh, um, I have a nephew um, who has um, uh, autism, and he's able to be on his own and live in that space. And so those are the things I think we need to be doing. Mm-hmm. Please. Um, yeah. And <laughs> yes. so we are, well, we, we're uh, Commissioner Mix. It was the first time we had an opportunity to talk about it was Monday night, but it's something that we're both uh, pretty passionate about. And so he is our North End Commissioner. So. I'm, intending on leaning on him to help help mm-hmm. us try to figure out how to do that up here well my daughter has prader willie syndrome okay. so um you know there's autistic like tendencies it's it's less heard of than down syndrome sure. but as a parent with someone with special needs i would love for her to live with us her entire life our right. entire lives but you always have to worry about what happens when you're not when around you're right. mm-hmm. you know so any kind of like group facility that's going to yeah. cater to her needs specifically would be Godsend. We, we, we definitely could use that in, in the Crestview area. We can use another, um, you know, retirement facility mm-hmm. um, and and then some of these other ones, these transitional housing. And, and all of those are on the agenda. Mm-hmm. It's just a long And agenda. you can also see how it could also provide employment Absolutely. for special yes, needs because it could be... Someone you know, has to be it, there to take care of things. Right. Sure. Yeah. It could. It, they and both groups could be linked together. Yeah. You know, to to we, help. Yes. You know, both we, we the older right. community and the community with special needs mm-hmm. and yeah. all. One our one of our goals, our stated goals, is you know we are a housing um, community for the military base. Mm-hmm. My goal is to keep one of the spouses here. So one, you know, whoever is not working on base, mm-hmm. if they're working, I want them working in Crestview. Yeah. Part of the reason I can't do that right now is because there's not enough daycare. Um, And so daycare is a big part of that initiative. But Mm -hmm. when we can provide daycare, because right now, if if they take it down to Hurlburt or if they they take their child to the base or they take them to Fort Walton to a daycare facility, they're not going to come back and work and then go back and get them and go back. And so we've been actively working with the Eglin Air Force Base and the Department of Defense for they're, they're going to build a, a CDC or a child development center here in Crestview. We've been helping them acquire that land. Uh, and then also we are trying to work with uh, churches and other agencies to get people equipped and trained to do the daycare stuff because specifically with the military being one of our primary um, employment employment providers, um, it it's there is a guaranteed rate that the military will pay for daycare. And so if we can create those opportunities. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just getting the ball rolling. And, and so we've been working on that for about a year, had some uh, partnered with some agencies to do some training and stuff. Um, and so it's that has been government gear slow, but mm-hmm. we're really trying to push that. My, it, it will address some traffic issues. It'll address the stress that's related mm-hmm. to that, how you feel about where you live um, and, and your you know ability to get your work done and raise mm-hmm. your family and do all that. If you're spending hours in traffic to drop your child off in, in the mm-hmm. South and then mm-hmm. you're working in the South and then mm-hmm. you're picking your child up and you're spending hours in traffic and then your husband or your wife that is working on base is doing the things mm-hmm. that they're doing to protect us. 
it, we, we believe that if we can be proactive and create opportunities here in Crestview for daycare, it creates jobs. Mm -hmm. And then it also creates opportunities for those who don't want to work in the daycare industry mm -hmm. to find work here. Mm -hmm. um, and, well, and, and it helps small businesses like myself to have people exactly. that are not yeah, I was thinking home with their like, kids. You know, you're trying to get your kids to, you know, whatever dance class or whatever right. program. And if you're having, if you're stuck in, that just generates more anxiety. So if they're here, they're actually going to. Uh, yeah. participate in in what the businesses offer it's it's a good cyclical yes. <laughs> issue you want to get into so. and it's been yeah. a problem for more than 10 years because I remember yeah. when my kids were younger having wait lists at daycares and it's insane it, and right thankfully uh, one of them went to Bob Sykes and they had the after-school care yeah we, we've just hired a new uh, recreation director um, and in one of the, we, I met with him today, and one of our conversations was about an after-school program. There's some funding and stuff for after-school mm -hmm. programs that we've never pursued in the past, and so I think we might do it. I've been trying to get other agencies, you know, other people to do it, churches and other places, mm -hmm. and, and, and haven't seen as much success as we'd like, uh, so we're going to maybe do... Well, I saw some somebody that. saying that they lived right beside Walker, but since they're, they didn't have the after-school, they had to get a waiver to another school just right. so they could do that. Right. So mm -hmm. that stinks. Yeah. And it's and also the reason I became a stay-at-home mom is because my income was going to go for three kids in after-school care. That's right. So right. That's right. At and that so, time. So those are, those are all, I mean, you, you all have hit the nail on the head for what our challenges are, and mm -hmm. hopefully we've been able to relay to you some of what we're Well, and I think it's really good that, like, even what you said about the, um, is it the Hope City Church? Is that our yeah, Hope City Community Hope Church. Hope City Community Church. I hope that other uh, churches will take note and follow that as you know because that is kind of you know it's always hard to see a, a big nice building that is not being utilized um you know Again, six six other days to the listeners five other days. The yes just yeah because right. it is i mean I'm, it's not it's i'm not criticizing sure. it's just i think sometimes as we said before on this podcast People want to help. They want to do the right thing. They just don't know how. And right. I think that what we're learning from you today is there are the needs are many, yes, but the potential is great. And is if hopefully we can publicize sure. this podcast and um, get the message out of how people can really help our community be all the best it can be. Well, and also just getting the information out, like you said, I've learned so much about I our city today, too. just I'm not just, knowing. I, yeah. We haven't hit your questions yet. But, <laughs> well, you know, I'm checking them off as you're, you're answering them, I'm checking them off. All right, <laughs> but tell us, I know it's probably on your list, but tell us about the city's podcast. So oh, if people yes. want to learn yeah, more, instead of just yeah. complaining yeah. online, what can they right. listen well, to? Well, they're, they're going to complain online. Um, so uh, we, we, we started a podcast a couple of years ago. It's called Civic View. And um, the, the idea behind that podcast was to create one more mechanism to communicate with people on their level. Um, I hate to keep referring back to different things we teach, but one of the things we teach in, in, in the city at our leadership class is about communication. And I teach this concept of frequency versus frequency. And sometimes I've never been anywhere where people said, oh, communication is great here. Every always it's there's a problem with communication, and so people think that they can increase the frequency. In other words, the number of times that they communicate something that that will improve the quality of communication. But the reality is, the problem is is a lot of times is not how many times we communicate, but how we communicate. And so when we talk, when we teach it, the frequency we want to focus on is like that of a radio station. 
And so right now, there's millions of different radio stations in the airwaves. If you, t you don't hear anything that they're saying until you tune your device to them. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm communicating with you ladies, I would do the best that I could to communicate to, a, to you on a, um, in a way that you would be open to receive it. And then the same thing is true. If you're communicating with me, I'm going to try to tune my listening to the way that you're delivering the message. And so there's ownership on both sides mm -hmm. of that frequency. So how that ties to the podcast is there was there's a, a whole demographic we weren't touching. Uh, you know, we do Facebook and we do, you know, all sorts of other things. But by doing the podcast, it allowed us to reach uh, the the demographic that loves podcasts mm -hmm. or the group that loves podcasts. And then in addition to it, WAAZ has been gracious enough to pick it up on Saturdays. And so Saturday mornings, I believe it's 8 uh, to 8.30 in the morning, um, they play that podcast. And so I'm actually getting an opportunity to hit two different mediums uh, to deliver our message. And we cover all sorts of topics. We, we cover, you know, how taxes work and how budgets work. and But we also cover new development coming to the area and and um, things that I can talk about as it relates to development and then we cover um, sometimes it's just about helping people understand um, what the challenges are uh, and what we're facing so we just changed uh, our, our garbage company mm -hmm. our trash service oh, we've heard. Yes, we're all aware <laughs> right. even of those of us who live outside the city limits sure. are aware <laughs> yeah and so the, you know the fun the fun thing about that yeah. transition is you know that was a we were on a five-year contract with the previous provider. Um, the the new rates from the previous provider were going to go up drastically. Um, the So we did a competitive bid, a mm -hmm. sealed bid process. Mm -hmm. uh, Adam Sanitation won that bid. Um, but to the average, or to the owners, to the property owners, their bill went up. And so they say, well, I had you know a previous provider and my, my bill was less than it is with the new provider. You know that's not right well the reality is if we would have selected the the same provider we had previously it would have went up even more mm -hmm. and so what the podcast allows us to do yeah. is to communicate that mm -hmm. message um, you know it was a sealed bid process uh, people are concerned yeah. you know um, it's the the business is owned by a county commissioner and so there's all this hype or conversation mm -hmm. about that yes. We all of that is very transparent. All of the meetings are, are videoed. You, you can people can watch it. It's um, the whenever government selects anything, uh, whenever we select a contractor for anything, it is a very transparent, very com, um, complex process to where they have to their sealed bids. They have to win those bids. They have to go to hearings and meetings, and all of those things happened. And and so every bit of that is appropriate. And and not only is it appropriate, but it is in the best interest of uh, the citizens of Crestview because the rates are lower than they would have been had we gone with the mm -hmm. previous provider. And if we'd have gone with the third provider, they would be, um, you know, 30% or 40% more than they are with this current mm -hmm. provider. So it's, um, Adams was the low bid uh, and, and they won the bid fair and square and they are going to do a good job um, and we're going to be fine. And there's always a transitional period. That, yes, that, it's, it's that difficult. Takes, that, that people don't have patience with um, what you know so. I thought everybody had patience <laughs> um and um you uh we've, we've kind of jumped around a lot on as far as my list of questions I'm go bad but, about but that. I have checked I've checked them off as, as you've been, but you know um one thing that I'm curious about sure. the city's motto yes, is one city one mission yes ma'am so is there a a nutshell little mission or is yes. is everything you've talked about 
Yes, um, yes, yes, and yes. Okay. So <clears throat> real quick, the history behind One City, One Mission. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I was the first city manager that Crestview's ever had. So previous to me, you had seven independent departments that reported directly to the city council. The issue with that, and they're all great people, this has nothing to do with people, but the issue with what that creates is a competition between the different departments for a limited amount of resources. So um, it, it is a very divisive, form, can be a very divisive form of government. And the, the persons that suffer are the citizens because you have this department competing for resources against its other department. And so very early when I came on, I wanted us to rally behind the idea that we are all here for the same mm -hmm. purpose. Mm -hmm. And so we have shirts and my phone screens and everything that we are, are computers, everything we do, our lanyards say, one city, one mission. Mm -hmm. And so if you come to uh, and you bump into somebody who works in the streets department and you ask them a question about the garbage service, that's not in their department, that's not their responsibility, but they are supposed to mm -hmm. help you find your answer, own that answer until mm -hmm. they get you to the right person and, and move you on the way. You should never get the answer, that's not my, my department. So that was the in initiative behind it. The mission that is our One City, One Mission <clears throat> is to improve the quality of life by providing exceptional municipal services. That is our mission statement. And what that means is in the absence of any clear direction, you always do what's right for the citizen. Everything we do is to improve the quali your quality of life living in, in the city of Crestview. And I'll give you an example. If you come in to pay your water bill and it's 4 o'clock and we close at 4 o'clock, I think we close at five, but whatever the time is. Mm -hmm. we, if you come in at the time that we close mm -hmm. and the person behind the counter knows that there's no overtime in the budget, but you're there to pay your water bill, they know that our job is to improve your quality of life. Mm -hmm. That's not going to happen if you have to come twice. Go ahead, collect the bill payment, and I'll pay the overtime. And so it's, it's, it's a, a mindset that I want our team mm -hmm. to get into that every decision we make should add value to your life. Mm -hmm. So when you look at building permit process, are we adding a step in the process that adds value or is it, or is it a burden? You know, everything that we currently have in our systems, do they add value? Do they add to the quality of life? And if they don't, then we get rid of them. And so that is the, and my staff will tell you whenever there's a conversation, a change they want to make, um, I will say, how does that improve the quality of life for our citizens? Mm -hmm. And so you, you've seen all the murals and all the things that we're doing around town all of that is about the quality of life. Mm -hmm. We have 10 goals um, in our, we did a strategic plan and it came with 10 goals. The four bottom goals are what we call foundational goals. And those are the things that we have to do to, to, to you know, be fiscally sound and you know, you know, balance the budget, all of those things, those four, first four goals. Everything, the, the remaining six goals are about how we improve your quality of life. And that's through parks and, and, and making sure that when you come in and you have an exchange with us, that that experience is going to be the best that it can possibly be. So that one mission is to improve your quality of life. That's, that's the goal. Oh, that's, that is just wonderful. You mentioned earlier about the new uh, sports facility. Yes, ma'am. Can you expand on any sure. of that? Sure. Yeah, I met today um, on that too uh, before I came here. And so... The city council has, we have $22 million worth of capital projects this year, which is 
crazy, um, crazy a lot of work. But one of a couple of the things that we have on the list is to do what we call PD&Es or planning, design, and engineering documents for a couple of different things. One is a public safety building, police and fire. Um, I'm not going to get into why we need those, except for that those buildings are in really bad shape. Um, and then um, two of the others are dealing specifically with our recreation programs, our current programs, and then a sports, uh, the idea to get into what's called sports tourism. And so <clears throat> we are looking at Old Spanish Trail to make sure that the current, you know, to figure out how we can master plan Old Spanish Trail to make that site as efficient as possible and provide the best stuff we can. But then also inside of, uh, there's a very large area of, of our community that's undeveloped and it's where the new bypass is going through. Mm -hmm. Well, we have uh, the city owns some land over there that was uh, for our wastewater treatment plant. And then there's these things called spray fields, which after it's treated to clean water, it sprays out of these sprinkler heads and goes onto the ground and then cycles back in. All of that land, um, there's 187 acres, I think is what it actually is, 187 acres there that we're looking at doing a master plan to build a sports complex there. Wow. Um, and we're, our goal is to partner with the Tourist Development Council and do a mixture between um, sports tourism, so bring people in for tournaments and things like that, but also to provide the highest quality of, of, of programming to our citizens. We have 680 kids that will start basketball next week. Mm -hmm. um, we did a little over 700 kids in the baseball last year. We've had as many as a thousand kids that play baseball. Um, unfortunately, we have not always, the city has not always done the best job of getting our, making our facilities match the level of participation and we are dedicated. Uh, in this year's budget, the council really wanted to focus on, I tell them all the time, you can't tell people you care about things if you don't put your time and your money there. Mm -hmm. And so we are putting a tremendous amount of money into that this year. Also, if you visit the um, the children's park at Twin Hills, where where, where we've got the, the you know the two lakes there, there's mm -hmm. a children's park and a water park there. We're completely redoing that. We're going to separate the water park from the children's park. We're we're going to have um, it be more hand, handicap accessible, mm -hmm. and so uh, children with disabilities will have greater access to the resources uh, to the park features. And then we're going to separate completely the water feature from it and redo that whole area. It's a, a little over a million, like $1.2 million that we're going to be spending on that. That's awesome. And that's that's exciting. We're mm -hmm. very excited about that. That will begin um, sometime in the spring. We hope to have the water park open in time for the summer. What's the projected timeline for the, uh, sports, for the complex? sports complex? So uh, nobody likes to hear real, real, real time frames, <laughs> but I would say that a four to five year time frame is appropriate if for nothing else because of when the road will be built mm -hmm. and then there's some mm -hmm. infrastructure stuff that has to be moved around in order to make those fields um, work. What's going to be cool and, and maybe we'll, we'll get a chance to speak about it again here if, if you guys ever let me come back, um, we're going to be doing some public meetings to do uh, to talk about the master planning for that site and so mm -hmm. we're going to bring on a company uh, that's going to help us kind of figure out what fields we should pursue and where and then one of the things we want to do that the council has talked about that I really want to do is is to build a large indoor facility to where we can house things like cheerleading tournaments and basketball tournaments and pickleball tournaments and indoor soccer and dance competitions and all those things that there's other than the, the convention center 
down on the beach, there's no other place around here that you can do those things. And, and in those, you can't do the sporting events. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so that's kind of one of the one of the things that we're really looking at. Um, well, and, and my son plays travel baseball, and right. we go to these places like Panama City and Dothan, and they make a bunch of money <laughs> for all yeah. from all of us and who are paying these tournament fees. We have fees. the opportunity, since we are on Interstate Ten, sure. to um, bring in income right. just from all of these d- different things yeah. um but so not only that like you said to take care of the children who have yeah. been playing here for decades mm-hmm. and twin right. hills hasn't changed yeah the inside yeah. has not changed and yeah, i can vouch I, to that yes, <laughs> i would agree with that uh you know and and, and i'm sure for time i'll uh, i'll cut it short but but on the sports complex <clears throat> the uh travel ball families spend a lot of money in the travel and all of that and there is a great economic benefit to the community but the offset of the expense to provide the actual tournament doesn't actually balance and so what we have to do is we have to figure out how to create public-private partnerships that allow us to have a top-notch facility and um, and, and, and not have to worry about taking away from the taxpayers mm-hmm. to pay for it. So places like Panama City Beach, those things are subsidized through their tourism dollars. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's great. Foley, um, I, I met with the, with the people who run the Foley facility and it is fully tourism dollars that funds that facility. Mm-hmm. It's booked 52 weeks out of the year and does not make a profit. And, and, and so what happens a lot of times is because we spend a lot of money to take our kids to travel ball. There is an assumption that it is a profit dr- uh, yeah. uh, machine for the community. And it is from a taxing perspective, but for the actual facility, it is not. And so okay. our approach to that though, is to, because I have 187 acres there, a portion of that is going to be commercial development that the city will retain for land leasing that will help. So, in, so instead of taking from your tax dollars to subsidize, this travel ball program what we're going to do is we're going to create just like the private sector would private industry on a portion of the property and then the rents and, and things that come in will help to, to offset that expense which is the the business model that i why we haven't already built one since i got here because you know it's a it'll be a 20 million dollar debt issuance in order for me to construct something like that and so wanted to make sure i could make those payments and not raise taxes mm-hmm. in fact in Crestview, we need to lower our tax rate and that's something that we're working on as well so. Mm-hmm. But when people do come in, is there a way to measure like yes, hotel, yes, ma'am. Uh, you know, the in, increase in people spending money yep. at restaurants and stopping by Marshalls or Ulta, and you know, mm-hmm. I forgot my mascara. You know, yep. I'm gonna go absolutely. Pick that. You know, it, it, I, again, to use the word cyclical, it does it help. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, so, and that and that's the key to it, mm-hmm. right? Is, yeah. is making sure that the public understands. Um, that 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 is what is that is the actual economic mm-hmm. benefit mm-hmm. of not that dollars come directly to the city through the event right. because mm-hmm. because the amount of money it takes to prepare mm-hmm. those fields to prep those fields right. to keep them up and running the water bills the electric bills all of those things mm-hmm. um, are completely eaten up before any of that becomes a profit my 
my job is that the profit that I generate for the city as the city manager goes back to you in a reduced tax bill. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. the shareholders are the citizenry. We keep the costs down. Mm-hmm. That's how we return that. So, so we're not necessarily looking to make a profit, but I need to offset the expenses. Right. So we've got yeah. a couple of ideas of how we're going to yeah. do that. And, and just as a parent, it would be nice to spend that money locally Here. instead yeah. of going away all the time. <laughs> no, I want you to. And, and we will. We are going to build one. Um, I look forward that's to awesome. building yeah, one. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. It's going to be lots of fun. Well, I think that we have covered most of of the questions in our conversation here. Um, I do want to um, emphasize that um, how people can get involved with the city. I want want you to share that about how, like, like I believe that the or the the council meetings are aren't they aired on through some way Uh, or. Just kind of, kind of give us some um, direction sure. to our listeners on how they can get in touch with the city manager's sure. office if they need to or want to, and then just how we can get involved and and try to if we could just change one person from complaining to <laughs> to getting involved and, sure. and help make positive changes for a community. Kind of give us some direction there. So the best the best mechanism for communication uh, to get all the information is probably Facebook, um, okay. Facebook, Instagram, those kind of things. And so City of Crestview, yeah. um, in each of those, you can get you can get us there. And so like us, follow us, share it. Um, our website uh, is is also um, a good resource. But really and truly, just about anything that we do, I have a fantastic media team. Um, but even the podcast and everything, you can access every bit of that through Facebook. And I will have to say, I've been listening to the podcast for for you know for a long time. I think I've probably gone back and I've listened to all the episodes. It makes you feel better. It really does. It does make you feel like okay, this is what's going on because you you see whatever or sure. you get like a a blurb of news and it's not the whole story and. It, it, it is any anything that you can do to help, like you said, you, you know, the, the responsibility of communication is on the listener and as the, much the as, speaker. Yeah. Well, it's like we so, told you why we kind of created this yeah. podcast is it. to, is to you yeah. know, de- yeah. stigmatize yoga and, and talk with, you know, these hard hitting topics sometimes that we want to sure. talk about. I want to go a little deeper on you and ask. Um, sure. You mentioned your faith, and yes. how else do you stay grounded having all of these employees underneath your employees? I don't know if you even yeah. call them that, but this, these teams that you are managing, um, and, and you know the city, and you have a lot of responsibility, so what do you do otherwise to stay grounded? So, um, so, so st- my wife does a good job <laughs> of keeping me grounded. She thinks it's her primary function. Um, I, I tell people all the time, um, so, so all jokes aside, my wife and I, um, you know, have a fantastic relationship. So she does. She does a good job of, of that. Um, and then, you know, my faith is important to me. Uh, I tell everyone that you should be in, you know, two places in your life at every time, and that should be somebody should be pouring into your life, and you should be pouring into someone else's life. And so we do. You know, I work uh, with Big Brothers Big Sisters um, on the board. I don't. I'm not a big brother. Um, I don't feel like I, from from a time perspective, I could could do that. But um, uh, and so these types of, of community activities, um, but, I, but I always try to make sure that there's a couple of, of people that are uh, mentoring me and that I'm mentoring at any given time uh, so, that, so that it helps you to kind of just stay grounded. Uh, and then also, um, I think, you know, from an, 
in, in the size of the organization we have, uh, you always have to have that one or, or two people on your team that have no problem closing the door and telling you it's time to act like you got some sense again. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that's a, a, my, a, uh, she's a special projects manager at the city of Crestview. Her name's Krista Shepard. She's been there. Uh, we've worked together at a couple different places, um, but I am the sole special project that she manages. Yeah, um, yeah I kind of gathered that from communicating with her to, to get you here today. Right, and so, but but all jokes aside, you know, Krista is, is the one that can come in the door and close, come in the office and close the door and say, "Listen, you need to act like you got some sense." <laughs> and so, between her and my bride, um, uh, and then, uh, you know, never. I told the city council when they my first opportunity to. Funny story about getting selected, uh, I was the last person on every list. So each time they cut people, so they went from you know 60 people to 10 people and I was number 10. And then they went from 10 people to five people and I was number five. And they went five to three and I was number three. Um, but in the interview process, um, uh, Councilman Blocker asked the question, why, why should we hire you at the city of Crestview? And my answer was this. I said, you know, I love, um, I said my faith is very important to me. Um, and my family is very important to me. I will never do anything in this job to embarrass my God or my wife. And so you can trust that I'll never do anything to embarrass you. And I think that having understanding that we are a part of, of something that is bigger than us, that there are a purpose that I believe that we are created for, and then living a life that stays so that you can stay honorable enough to meet that purpose is, is just the, the biggest thing. And then um, the last thing I would say was, you know, picking up jujitsu uh, the last couple of, of months has been uh, a very humbling experience when you get beat up by 20-year-olds that are half your weight, little spider monkeys jumping all over you, um, you know, things like that. But, but I, I really and truly, all jokes aside, I think it's, you know, it's my faith in understanding that there is a bigger picture um, that uh, I want to make sure I leave a legacy uh, behind that is honorable. And so we try to make decisions based on that. So I also tell them never put yourself in a position where you have to have the job. <laughs> so, so we I told you all at the, before we got on the air that um, you know having owned my own business and seen some of the struggles that are associated with that, and then going through two thousand the, the crisis in two thousand eight taught me that um, you know you you can get through anything. And so, what is how does that translate to the job as the city manager there? It, I never have to make a decision. I'm never afraid to make a decision because I'm worried about what, you know, whether or not I can be here tomorrow. I'm going to do what's right, what's honorable, and then if for some reason people don't like that, then I'll move on to the next thing and it'll be just fine. I feel very glad that we did this interview today. Well, thank you. I've had a blast. So I'm so thankful. We weren't sure what direction it would go. <laughs> and this guy's crazy. It, it just, um, I feel physically lighter just uh, listening to you talk just knowing that you're a part of this great team well, that you. is working to that, make that has such a great vision that aligns with that what the community has wants positive goals right. and so, and is bringing that well thank you us. if i can add one thing please um, do city manager at city of is an email that people can send. Uh, if they send an email to that, it will go to my, uh, to Krista and to myself. Say it one more time. City manager at cityofcrestview.org. Okay. And the reason that uh, um, I say that is because I should always be able to defend our decisions. And so don't get your information from Facebook. If you have a question, 
you know, you can go to our Facebook page and, and submit your question mm-hmm. there, and I have a team of people that will answer that question. But we are always defensible. Mm-hmm. I should always be able to answer the question. We joked about and talked about the garbage thing, and people mm-hmm. like to create all of this. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it because mm-hmm. the the, uh, the facts are what they are. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe that sometimes people like to hide behind Oh, you know, yeah. not actually getting the answer, but if you ever want it, I'm happy to do this or any other thing where I'll sit down and yeah. I'm, I'm leaving here to go talk to our seniors at the senior center and answer all of their questions mm-hmm. as well. So we'll always talk about it. And if I can't answer it, you guys need to ask me anyway. Well, I hope that you will come back and I hope that you'll contact us and, and if you have anything you want to share, because sure. I think, I know you have the Civic View um, podcast as well. But I think if we just have more avenues to get information out to Absolutely. people is, I love is it. Uh, great. So thank you so much for your time and all the information. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. May you feel empowered and full of gratitude. Until next time, when grateful hearts speak.